Hey friends, I've got an exciting episode for you today and I hope you've been enjoying the January series, uh, cycling event series here on the podcast and maybe you've gotten some great ideas for events that you'd like to participate in this summer. And as I mentioned, I always would love to know which ones they are because maybe you can come on and be a guest for my podcast sharing your experience. So today, I hope you can go check this out on YouTube. I am actually in my adventure racing garb. I have saved a lot of my jerseys because uh, it was just such a fundamental and paramount time of my life, um, my uh, athletic career. But we are talking to Mark Ventogren and Matt Acker. So Mark is the founder of Michigan Adventure Racing which we are not talking about today, but they do have a really cool one-day event that has a couple different categories for families. I highly recommend you go check them out. And if you're thinking about doing something adventure racing-esque, um, the best thing is to start with a couple hours with the kids. Um, so yeah, go check it out. But he, we are talking about the Coast to Coast Gravel Grinder. And there's a couple categories. This is happening in June. So it's coming up. And there's two categories, the 210 mile and the 100 mile. From what I understand, talking to Mark, is that you can do the longer distance in a relay team, which is super cool option that some of the other events that are longer enduro races don't offer. So if you're looking at something, this is the opportunity to drag your friend into it for sure. So this race starts um, along the sunny shores of Lake Huron and finishes on the sandy beaches of Lake Michigan. And it sounds amazingly scenic. So this is another reason uh, to go out and see a great, beautiful part of the United States. And Matt Acker, who is also an event organizer, is helping Mark get uh, with some changes. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. It's been a great chat with the guys. And you might learn a couple things about, you know, how to prepare yourself. Um, but with that, have an amazing day. Enjoy this. And if you happen to know of other events in your local area that you, um, you know, please send them my way. I would love to interview their organizers and get their events on our calendar. So with that, have a great one. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dow here, sitting in Chelsea, Quebec, Canada. And we've got two amazing guys who have put on 
um, the coast to coast gravel grinder. So for those who are into gravel racing and in the US, we were just discussing how you can cross over from Canada and I'm sure we can all figure that out at some point of time. But this is Matt Vantogreen. I know it's not right. And uh, sorry, Mark Vantongren. You got Tongren. it. I got it. Matt, Mark Ventongren and Matt Arch, Archer, Archer, no, Acker, Acker. And these are two of the, of the organizers for the coast to coast. And I, you'll notice I'm all in adventure racing gear. If you recognize these labels and it's because Mark puts on adventure racing. So I got all excited and I started digging out all my stuff. But however, we're going to talk about gravel today with a touch of adventure racing. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right. So the first thing I always love to ask everybody, and because um, we want to get right into gravel, uh, the coast to coast, is how did you guys get into cycling first? How did you guys connect? And then how did the event uh get created. Mark, do you want to get started? Sure. Yeah. So I started mountain, mountain biking in 1990. So 30 years ago and just mostly just casual riding for um, many years. Um, did some races, did the Iceman up in Northern Michigan that a lot of people are familiar with. So that's when I um, kind of got into racing. So that's a fun race I try to do every year. Um, Eventually also did trail running and then eventually discovered adventure racing. So just kind of paired that all together. Um, started adventure racing, um, oh, I don't know, about 2006, maybe 2005. So a little after you, uh, after you, Sylvie, but um, got into that. Tired. <laughs> um, in 2011, um, I um, quit my job and started putting on um, races, adventure races and trail running races and bike races full time. So I've been doing that since 2011. And um, I'll keep going because it will explain how Matt got involved. Um, 2016, 2017, um, was thinking about putting on an adventure race um, uh, across the state of Michigan. Um, from Lake Michigan to Lake Huron. There had been one back in the glory days of adventure racing called Coast to Coast. It's a three-day adventure race put on by Infotera Sports. And I thought, you know, I kind of maybe should, we could resurrect that. They um, no longer put on races, um, but um, thought that would be kind of a cool thing to get back into. Um, but I, as you know, Sylvie and Matt, the logistics of putting on an adventure race are pretty complicated and you're not going to get as many people as you would from a, a gravel bike race. So I thought, you know, at least for now, let's just switch and uh, let's focus on doing a really cool bike race um, across Michigan. Um, you know, the, the Beirut Bay, which Matt puts on um, south of Grand Rapids in Michigan was pretty hot, you know, has been... Uh, the world's largest bike race for quite a while, gravel race. And so I knew, uh, you know, the trend was really good for putting on a, a long gravel race there, you know, obviously Dirty Kanza at the time was becoming real popular. And I thought, well, I might as well ride that wave and put on a, you know, a 210 and a hundred mile 
um, gravel race. Um, the 210, obviously, um, from Lake Huron to Lake Michigan, spans the lake. The 100 is just a loop that um, starts in Ludington, Michigan, on Lake Michigan coast, and just does a loop in the Manistee National Forest. So I started working on that, and I used a, a website called gravelmap.com that um, shows all the gravel roads in Michigan. Um, so it's a great resource if you're uh, planning to do some sort of an adventure, you know, on bike um, to just mainly be able to focus on gravel roads. Um, and I started clicking on all of those uh, roads that had already been highlighted and, you know, designated as gravel. But the name Matt Acker kept popping up um, as being the person who, you know, either went there or on satellite view, you know, figured out that all these roads were, you know, gravel. And so his name kept popping up as I'm roughing in this course across the state. And I knew Matt a little bit because um, he's a top rider in the area um, sponsored by Salsa Cycles and uh, Matt, because why not have his expertise, uh, not only designing the course, but having someone maybe who can you know, speak to the training and, and the bike and, and all that better than I do. I'm just a casual rider. So that's not my skill set. My skill set was putting on events. So I reached out to Matt and um, he was really interested. And so that's where that partnership started. Um, and um, yeah, I guess I'll go into more details after. But Matt, how did you get into cycling, um, mountain biking, I gravel? Yeah, I've also been uh, cycling since the 90s. I got into it, um, both road cycling and mountain biking. I guess, you know, people didn't specifically talk about gravel back then, but um, mm -hmm. I ride my mountain bike on dirt roads a lot to get places and uh, just go exploring. And um, I've been into it mostly my whole life um, beyond just like using it when I was younger as a way to get around. But doing long rides like centuries and stuff when I was 11. Um, so I really enjoyed cycling for a long time and I started doing it more seriously uh, in the late 2000s and then the 2010, primarily road racing. Mm -hmm. And when I um, left the team I was road racing with, I joined a team to uh, race cyclocross and mountain bike. Uh, Redline bicycles had a had a race team back in the early 2010s. And then from there, when that contract ended, I joined Salsa Cycles and I've been doing more like long distance. Um, yeah, like Mark mentioned, Dirty Kanza, which is now the Unbound gravel event. And okay. um, yeah. kind of found my niche in doing ultra racing, like their 350 mile version, um, long, very long mountain bike races. And I've been with salsa for eight years now so wow cool so then how did you guys you finally reached out mark and uh, said hey let's uh put this together yeah you know putting on a race trying to maximize gravel roads for 210 miles across the state you know is uh it takes some work and um so i had roughed in a route and then um you know, Matt um, was able to show me some real gems of forest roads in the National Forest System called the Manistee National Forest and some other great little two tracks. We added just a little bit of kind of gravel friendly single track 
to the race. So he was able to just bring in a lot of, um, um, I call it spice, just making it a little bit spicier of a race, you know, not just to be straight farmland gravel, but let's do some two tracks, you know, that just wind and curve roller coaster type um, riding. And so we have a taste of that, but the race actually has a lot of variety to it. Starts on Lake Huron, which kind of has an Atlantic coast feel to it. Um, and, uh, and then it goes into the farmlands and grasslands and there's some pine barrens. And then we get into some, you know, hardwood forests. Um, all the while it's like Michigan is sort of on a bell curve. So we're both moving into different ecological zones, but we're also going a little bit of elevation gain until we get to the center of the state. And then we're curving over plateauing and then dropping down. So the first half of the race is just a, a gradual um, climbing, but nothing massive. And then the race is kind of nice because those people are really just sucking and just really trying, <laughs> you know, enough energy to finish. They do get more of a downhill um, finish. And then they sort of complete that ecological bell curve and that after the hardwood forests um, in the middle of the state, then it goes back to that kind of grasslands and farmlands. And then it ends with more sort of a Pacific ocean feel, you know, it's sand dunes on Lake Michigan, um, as opposed to Lake Huron, which was rockier, trying to beat, beat the ride into the sunset or beat the sun, you know, um, at whatever um, kind of late um, sunset here in Michigan on the, the western edge of the eastern time zone, a lot of daylight in uh, late June, so maximize daylight and they're pushing hard to try to beat the sunset or um, they haven't in the morning to finish the race. So this ecological bell curve where they get to the middle of the state and it's hardwood forests, and then it's a, sort of a subtle downhill from there as they go back down and sort of repeat in reverse going into some pine forests and then grasslands and marshland and farmland. And then they end at Lake Michigan where it's, uh, you know, it's the dunes, it's the sandy, um, beaches of Lake Michigan. It's a, it's a cool journey um, in that uh, there's just so much variety to, to the scenery and to the geology. So Matt, where did you bring in your expertise? It's just like connecting the dots and then, like you said, removing some of the boring routes and adding some exciting ones. Is it quad trails and snow? Uh, do, you have, do you have snow down there? You must have snow. Oh, yeah. So quad trails and snowmobile uh, highways and stuff like that. Is that part of it? Yeah. Um, so as Mark mentioned, he reached out to me because he had saw my name on this gravel maps website. And um, not only just for events I do, but just personal riding. I like to travel and ride all over because I, I log a lot of miles every year. So I don't like to ride the same stuff. So he had a lot of um, on the ground experience for especially the western half of the state, which is where I'm located. And, um, you know, being able to call out stuff that's not easy to pick out on the map, like our forest roads that Mark mentioned are, yeah, in the winter, they're purpose for snowmobile trails. Mm -hmm. uh, in the summer, they can be used for ATVs, quads, you name it. So you kind of yeah. think of, yeah, like two track, like the middle mm -hmm. of the lane might be grassy. They're fairly rustic, um, a lot of pine. A lot of undulation, some sand, of course, because it's Michigan. Um, 
so I kind of came in and helped with that. And also just, you know, with trying to put on an event or bring something together like that, it helps to have more than, than one set of eyes. So, you know, Mark could drive sections of it. I could go ride my bike on sections, kind of see what made sense. And we'd go back and forth and discuss, you know, ways, you know, towns for checkpoints and resupply. It all kind of uh, has to play nice together. And then, um, you know, with Mark's adventure racing and event promotion background, he had that piece of it. But I think that uh, having someone like myself that, that is involved a lot in gravel racing and mountain biking um, maybe made it a little bit easier to speak and reach out to that cycling crowd. So that's the stuff that, you know, I tried to help out with on it. Yeah, it's been a great partnership for sure. Yeah, so um, now I noticed, when is the, the event this year? June 25th. June 25th. Okay, now here's a couple of questions. You said it's, um, so what's the navigation like? Is it fairly, like, do you have to be a good navigator of these routes? Um, is the map easy to follow? Cause you know, I'm adventure racing. Like you can, <laughs> like you could take a wrong turn everywhere. Is it, is it, um, well marked? Like how do you guys mark the route if it's that long? So the, the route itself, we don't actually do any marking of the course. Okay. The only thing we do do is within the forest roads sometimes there's there's literally no street signs or any type of indicators so they'll use um wooden stakes and like flagging tape and try to mimic a bit what like logging companies and uh, property boundary markers use just so that they fly under the radar because one of the chronic issues with long events and marked courses is that people will go out and tamper with the course or remove the markings altogether. That's part of the reason why the whole course isn't marked other than being a massive undertaking is that it would just be hard to rely. You know, if you tell people a course is marked, you know, they'll, they may just say, oh, I don't need anything. You know, I'll just follow the course. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays, a lot of these, especially the ultra distance events rely heavily on GPS navigation. Mm -hmm. um, so, I would say 95% of the riders use like a Garmin or a Wahoo unit. And we provide turn-by-turn -turn GPS tracks. So really they just load the file on their computer. You know, they need to be familiar with how to use a GPS device, uh, but it's gotten, you know, immensely easier since like even just a decade ago. But that's the primary source of navigation. We do provide uh, maps and they have access to a cue sheet so we always recommend that people carry a cue sheet as a backup, of course. Of course. I know. It's like, no, I'll just follow everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here you guys, I'll yeah. just follow somebody. So um, now in these, um, these towns for checkpoints, um, do you have cutoffs as well? Do you have, you're going to have volunteers checking people off or is it just sort of like a drive-through uh, tag um, check-in what's your checkpoints like yeah so it's um it is chip timed after the first year when we tried to do it manually we decided oh, size right away we're like no we've got to chip time this whole thing so we do that start to finish um mm -hmm. there's three checkpoints along the way um the what um what makes this race 
easier for Matt and I and my uh, other partner Greg to put on is is teams or racers are required to have a support team. Um, oh, okay. Or they have to sign up to be um, to be um, shuttle and support service Nile Diabetes Research Foundation. So they help people that don't have a support team uh, who can. Hmm. But most riders will have uh, a crew. Um, which is uh, allowed to meet them at the three. Can't be doing any kind of support in in between checkpoints. That would uh, be a disqualification. But they, uh, uh, yeah, they rely on their support um, crews. Uh, so this is this is the yeah this is the adventure racing part coming in. So this is not a unsupported event. So you are allowed to have people to drive to the next checkpoint, have food for you, change up your bike shorts if you want whatever oh okay yeah you can do it self-supported i mean a lot of people will have crew maybe at one checkpoint or two out of the three um but they'll ride through and grab food you know at a gas station we list all the different gas stations and convenience stores along the route for people that would want to do that but they do need to have someone who can come rescue them we're not set up to have vans you know to pull you know Last year, we had epic monsoon rains um, before the race. We only had a 42% finish rate last year. Normally, it's a percent. So last year was epic. It was, uh, it was uh, brutal. Um, but having those support crews there to be able to go rescue their people, you know, out on the course or at a checkpoint, you know. <laughs> wow. Why did, why did so many people not finish? Just yeah, well, Bikes just failed, you know, I mean, Mac, oh. more to that, but brakes failed and, you know, drivetrains failed. It just became this um, consistency with the, the sand and the dirt was uh, just, it wasn't even based on effort. It was, Mac can hear me, but. Yeah, you're, you're cutting in and out again. So I don't know, <laughs> I can't get any closer to your computer. Um, now, um, Okay, so what was I going to ask? Um, do you pull people off the course if they don't hit a certain checkpoint at a certain time? Or does everybody finish? So we have, uh, there are checkpoint cutoff times that oh, we yeah. institute because we do have volunteers at each checkpoint. And at some point, the timers need to pull the mats. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, you know, we can really only legally suggest that they stop and contact their support crew. We can't, you know, legally restrain them and physically remove them from the course. So uh, what's typical in an event like this is if somebody refuses to stop or wants to continue, they're notified, you know, that they are on their own at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, we typically ask, you know, to, to uh, take their number plate off so that they're no longer identified with the event, which is kind of common for, for cycling races. If somebody were to refuse, I mean, most time people don't, or if they're doing really well and they have a crew out there, you know, they, they may keep going. Um, of course, there's always people that want to push, push the limits of that. And it's something that, yeah, we have the cutoff at the finish at 3 a.m., but I feel like every year we're out there till 4 or 5 a.m., um, you know, taking stuff down and kind of waiting for the last person because it's one of those catch 22s where you don't really want to just say, well, they're on their own and take off. You still are concerned for their welfare. So it, it puts us sometimes in a little bit of a tough spot, but 
you know, it's not at the end of the day, a huge deal. Yeah. Cause I imagine if they made it the last cutoff, you really do have to stick around for them regardless if they made it like um, an official time finish, like they finished it officially over coming in after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. thankfully we have some resources out there. We have sweep vehicles that will sweep each section. So oh, good. we have that and the chip timing. So we have an idea, you know, everybody's chipped in when they start. And then we track people as they cross through the checkpoints. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty easy way to figure out like who hasn't made it to a checkpoint. So we have their information. Uh, sometimes just a quick call or a welfare check might reveal that, oh, they've already been picked up. You know, they're at the Burger King getting lunch <laughs> or something. And, uh, you know, they just neglected to let us know. Yeah, I was just say, thanks for calling in. <laughs> yeah, but that kind of, that goes, that goes with it. So, I mean, not, not a huge deal. Wow, so how long? does this course take how many hours the, for the fastest and the last person well you're looking yeah so the fastest riders will average nearly 20 miles an hour um, we've had riders in the 12 and under range for hours wise and the cutoff is we pick 10 mile per hour average so that gives them 21 hours to get to the finish from the start and so you'll have people, you know, pushing right up against that mm -hmm. timing of 20 plus hours of riding. So it's a pretty broad spectrum. Yeah. I suppose you're not standing there at four, three in the morning with a beer, right? <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, it always sounds good, but it's yeah. one of those things where it makes you sleepy. So I'm usually, you know, up By the with fire? coffee. Uh, we still feed them though. We've got some food. We, um, we yeah, here's the four. pizza over there. <laughs> we got, we get, uh, we have a great sponsor in the little town of Ludington um, on Lake Michigan that uh, provides, and somehow they keep the the food, the pulled pork sandwich is pretty hot, and uh, so it's nice that uh, we try to have some hot food and drink. And again, they've got most of them have a support crew um, that's hopefully there um, to meet them with some good hot food as well. Yeah, well, that's. That's kind of a cool feature. I didn't think that that would have been, I thought it would have been completely unsupported. Um, but uh, wow. Okay. So where can everybody sign up? I imagine it's still open for registration. Yeah. Um, micoasttocoast.com. So MI, you know, for Michigan. So micoasttocoast.com. Mm -hmm. um, we're capping it. Um, likely around 500 racers. Um, we do allow an unlimited number of women racers. I know that your focus is really on getting women into sports and into biking. So I hear we get first dibs. Yeah. <laughs> we register. You're like, they're in. <laughs> right. So we do, uh, we do allow that to try to encourage um, women riders. Um, it's obviously um, more of a men's sport but it shouldn't be you know it doesn't have to be so we want to encourage women to to ride and to bring their friends and uh so, um, we do travel in packs that's for sure <laughs> yeah it's a low-key vibe you know it's not a triathlon it's not a, a road race um it's a pretty chill event so uh it's pretty welcoming 
Um, I think people really like that aspect of it. Um, we don't have a super fancy start and finish, you know, we don't have blaring rock music going on <laughs> um, necessarily and at the start. That's okay. Sleepy little fishy fishing village is where we start. Now, fortunately, the people in that village are up at 5.30 to go out on the Lake Huron and fish anyways. So it's yeah. so cool <laughs> with us being there. Um, but um, yeah, we like that vibe. Um, that's just sort of, you know, who we are and what we want to do. And Matt with the races he puts on are pretty, um, the world's largest gravel race is going to be um, not so much a low key vibe maybe, but they still um, somehow um, have that culture of, um, you know, we're out here just to have an adventure and have fun and connect with others. I have a last question. Um, just because I was, and Matt, this is an event for you, the transcontinental race across Europe. Check that one out. 4,000 kilometers. Anyways, so um, uh, I just did an interview with them yesterday. Uh, and that's, that's pretty epic. I was like, holy. Um, so can you, so if I come individually, like, is it individual uh, solo or can you, is there the team aspect? And if you are two solo people, like, so say I come with my girlfriend, we just decide to uh, register solo and, but can we ride together on the course? Like, or is this, are there um, rules against that? And I only ask that because in transcontinental there are so. It, but yeah, it's a it's, truly unsupported event. Yeah, it's um, I'm familiar with the, the transcontinental. I mean, in the U.S., the big one is the Great Divide mountain bike route. Oh. Um, it goes from Banff down to Mexico. So that would be the similar event that we have that's fully unsupported where you're not allowed yeah. to go across any familiar faces. Uh, riders can help each other out. Um, so we try to embrace some of those principles, too, with the coast to coast of you know, you are unsupported between checkpoints. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a balance of unsupported with some support, um, primarily because as Mark mentioned, you know, we don't have the wherewithal to uh, extricate four or 500 riders from the course in an event of uh, an emergency, such as like a lightning storm or so forth. So that's the main purpose of the, the cruise. And also, as he mentioned, some people, you know, they stop and they're, they're, crew and checkpoint for 30 minutes, you know, they're eating hot food, doing that type of thing. I mean, those are more of the individuals that are looking just for a finish that are out there for the experience. Whereas the top end riders will just roll through the timing mat. They might acknowledge their crew. They might hardly have one and they just keep powering on. So to answer your question about uh, yes, you may, of course, ride with other individual riders. It's, it's okay if like you and your girlfriend wanted to ride together and you, you're allowed to draft. It's a draft legal type of race. You know, it's, it's one of those things where we, it's a balance of not making too many rules to take away from the fun, but you do have to make rules uh, to keep people safe. Um, so you're not allowed to see your crews in between checkpoints. That would be a disqualification. So if we see your crew out on course handing you up bottles, you know, that's not allowed. Um, you should be able to cover the 50 miles between checkpoints. 
but you are allowed, you know, say you're riding with your girlfriend and she gets a flat and needs a hand with changing the flat, that's, that's okay. Right. Okay. Um, we encourage riders to assist one another. It's kind of with the community of, you know, cycling or gravel cycling is, you know, to help each other out, out on course and, and not leave a rider stranded. Perfect. So is there just one category? So there's not like a team category? There, um, Go ahead, Mark. Okay. Yeah, there is a two-person relay. Okay. So oh, relay. Yep. Yeah. So you can pick any two of the four sections to do. Oh. The person just has to do the other two. So that's a great way to kind of experience mm -hmm. the journey across without having to do all 210 miles. So um, we don't have a lot of riders that do that, but um, a little bit more every year um, who really want to sort of experience that, you know, Lake Huron to Lake Michigan journey, um, but um, be able to rest in between. So, and there's definitely uh, there's definitely some sections that are quite a bit harder than others. So, uh, right, eh? okay, which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's one uh, there's one uh, that's uh, quite a bit more difficult as far as elevation gain and terrain and distance. It just happens to be uh, that way. Um, so. That's kind of nice in a way because the stronger rider will do fairly manageable sections to do. Cool. All right. So you guys, are you guys on um, Instagram and Twitter as well? Because I only see Facebook. Just yeah, kidding. The, the Instagram is <laughs> just for Michigan Adventure Racing for all seven. Oh, of my okay. So it's just hard to manage a bunch of different. Um, so right. So I hear you. <laughs> mostly, yeah, it's mostly um, the focus for Coast to Coast is on the, on the Facebook page and the website. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. This is, uh, I get more excited now. I'm like, God, oh, you know, I love to do all these events and, you know, and just fill up your calendar, right? <laughs> but it's like, oh my God, these aren't just like road races. These are like, you know, longer stuff um so i just want to thank all of our listeners for jumping in and if you're in the united states and you're a gravel rider lover this is one of those events you should look at you can either right you could do the whole thing or you can join up with a partner and do half um so i encourage you to go find them and follow them on facebook and as well, make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram and myself on Instagram. And thank you so much, guys. Don't forget to share away this episode um, with those who, you know, are looking for something more interesting this summer. And it seems like a really nice scenic way to do that. So thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, of course. Bye. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment. 
telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.